I'm Jen. I'm Jack. And you're listening to The Devil Made Me Review It. We're just a couple of best friends who love scary movies. Especially when those movies are based on true events. Listen along as we dive into our favorite films, the classics we all love, and really, whatever we want. We'll tell you all about the paranormal claims made by the real-life subjects and debate whether or not it actually happened. It probably didn't happen. I knew you were going to say that. Listen, if you haven't seen whatever we're covering, pause and come back after watching because spoilers abound. That's right. Sit back and enjoy. The Devil Made Me Review It. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm I'm sleepy. How are you? Also sleepy. What the hell? Maybe it's like the planets. Maybe there's something with the planets. I mean, it's this planet. I'll tell you that much. It's making me exhausted. It's dying, and I'm very sleepy. Yeah, I think you're right. It's definitely this planet. It's smoky and hot here. And are you guys oh, having right. smoke down there? No, 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 not yet. It's early though. Yeah, it's been it's been pretty bad. It's yeah, it's scary. Scary. It looks like the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that picture I posted the other day in my backyard? Oh yeah. And it was all. What was your caption? Hazy and red. I said, "Y'all, y'all like this? Or uh, have you have you tried this climate change filter?" <laughs> yeah, that was good. I was like, <laughs> "I was like, is this too dark? Man, go for it." <laughs> hey, did you see that somebody posted? They did a film review, and they said that both Indiana Jones and Freddy Krueger are wearing broken-in fedoras. Oh yeah, actually. So they are fedoras. Yes, my sister wrote that review. Ah, thanks, Kate. <laughs> she goes. I wondered. She told me. She said, "I, I, I wrote a review, and she said, and I answered a question, so you better look at it." <laughs> <laughs> so thank you, thank you, Kaylin. I think this is how we get people to review: is we just we put we put trivia out there, and then that's that's how they. <laughs> we should make that a thing. That's how they review the show. <laughs> and then we, you know, what we can do. <laughs> if you if you answer a question in review, we'll send you a DVD that we don't need anymore. <laughs> You can help us get rid of our DVDs. (laughs) What a terrible trick. I already pared down my DVD collection quite a bit. (laughs) Yeah, same. I think I have maybe like 30. Yeah, I don't even know if I have that many. I maybe have 15 tops, but yeah. (laughs) That would be hilarious. We'll just send you a DVD or a CD that we find in our cars. You can have... Get what you get. You can have any of those. Oh, his CDs are done. I, I threw them away when we moved. Yeah. Threw them directly into the trash. Right into like, the Bye. trash. Yeah. I don't own a single CD anymore. I have Spotify. Yep. Yep. Okay. Are you excited? We're doing Psycho today. I am excited we're doing Psycho today. Uh, very quickly up top, I do want to do a, a little content warning. Um, oh, yeah. The true crime criminal that this is based on is some pretty gruesome stuff. So there's going to be some talk of grave robbing and defiling of corpses and some pretty violent and nasty. Yeah. I think my stuff has sexual assault in it too. Yeah. So all around there's a big yuck. There's a big yuck. Um, so know that, know that going in. And if, uh, if those are things that you don't want to hear about, we'll see you next time. Right. We'll, we'll be back. We'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hit us with a summary. 
So this movie is, uh, it stars Janet Lee as Marion Crane. She is a secretary in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, and she's on the lam after stealing. I love that term on the lam. On the lam. Makes me feel like a mobster. <laughs> uh, after stealing $40,000 from her employer in order to run away with her boyfriend, Sam Loomis, played by John Gavin. Um, she's overcome by exhaustion during a heavy rainstorm. Uh, she's traveling back roads to avoid the police. That one, the one cop is like stalking her. That drives me crazy. Oh my god, he's such a dick. It like definitely stressed me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, she stops for the night at a ramshackle Beats motel and meets the polite but highly high-strung proprietor Norman Bates, Anthony Perkins, uh, a young man with an interest in taxidermy and a difficult relationship with his mother. I think that I think that's all we need because we all know what happens. We Shower do. scene. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. That's right. There's some there's some murder. Although it's so funny, every I've seen this movie a handful of times, and every time I watch it, I forget that the shower scene is in the middle of the movie. Uh, yeah, when I whenever I watch this movie, I forget that there's anything after the shower scene. Right. Like I'm like okay, bye. Yeah, but there is. It's in the middle of the movie. There's so much after the shower <laughs> scene. Like, so much happens. I love the part when the psychologist is like, it, like he has that monologue where he's like talking to everyone and explaining. Norman, yeah. Yeah. Like his, his alpha. But this is true based on a true story, which I didn't know. I actually learned that from posting it in our Instagram stories. And I think, I think it was your friend um, was like, Oh, psycho. And I was like, Oh crap. I didn't know that. Oh, I don't know how I didn't know. I didn't know either. And, um, yeah, it's sort of loosely based on this guy named Ed Gein, who was called the Butcher of Plainfield. Um, and it's, uh, it's pretty gruesome stuff. So I'll go, I'll go ahead and get into it. Uh, Ed was born in a small town in Wisconsin called La Crosse. Uh, his mother was piece of work. Sounds like she was uber religious and very uh, strict with Ed and his brother Henry wouldn't really let them socialize didn't let them have friends she uh, told them that everybody was evil particularly women and said that they were all whores never let them like I said have friends or really do much their dad was an alcoholic physically abusive At some point in their childhood, she relocated the family to an even smaller town called Plainfield, Wisconsin. And after some time being there, their father died. And after their dad died, Henry, who I think was the older brother, started to be a little bit more outspoken about his uh, about his disagreements with his mother, his disdain for his mother and how he didn't. He wasn't. He basically wasn't going to let her uh, run his life anymore. And Ed was the complete opposite. Very close with his mother. Very much obsessed with his mother. Wanted to do everything he possibly could to please her and and remain close to her. So there's a point after their dad dies where they, the two brothers, are clearing up a brush fire that's broken out on their farmland that they live on. And this story, by the way, is so creepy. It's yeah. <laughs> this is like the one thing I know about Ed Gein. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's no one. No one. Knew. Right. And it just gets worse. So, <laughs> so Henry dies trying to fight this fire. 
Ed claims that what happened is they got separated and he couldn't find him. So he runs and gets help. But when he gets help, he comes back and he leads this party of people that he's gathered to help him directly to Henry's body. And Henry had a major injury to the back of his head. And the medical examiner uh, stated that his cause of death was heart failure while he was fighting the fire and that the head injury probably happened because he had fallen to the ground. But later, a lot of people assumed that Ed probably killed Henry because he was going against their mother. And this was an opportunity for him to do so. So then Augusta, their mother, dies. And that's her name. Yeah, Augusta. So then then the mom dies. Ed becomes even more isolated. He's, you know, he's getting weirder and weirder. The people in the town uh, kind of just write him off because they think he's just a weirdo hermit who lives up in this small house. And he starts to pester and become a little bit of, uh, of a nuisance to the local hardware store owner, Bernice Warden. And... 12 years after his mother's death, November, November, <laughs> November, <laughs> 6, November 16th, 1957, he kills Bernice Warden. So it's the first day of deer hunting season. He knows that every man is going to be out for the whole day, out in the woods hunting. Nobody's come back for a while. He goes in to the hardware store and apparently buys some antifreeze because this is how they found him is because there was a receipt in the store that day under his name. And he shoots her, kills her, takes her back to his property. He just shot her? Yeah, he shot her. And um, so Bernice's son, Frank, comes back from hunting that afternoon, finds the store empty, sees a trail of blood, He's panicked. He calls the police, like I said, because of the receipt and because Gein had been pestering Bernice and everybody knew it, especially her family. They immediately are like, we got to go find Ed. So they catch up with Ed casually having dinner with some neighbors. Just, you know, like nothing happened. Just Were the having... neighbors alive? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good question. <laughs> they, that's fair. As right? far as I know, they were. <laughs> It's just a fucking weirdo. It's a corpse tea party. Uh, so yeah, one unit finds him having dinner. Another unit goes to his house. They can't get in to his house at first, so they go out to the shed that's on the back of the property, and and this is when it all goes to fucking hell. So they get into the shed. It's dark. They see what they think at first is a deer hanging from the ceiling. It's not. It's Bernie's warden's body. Oh, no. And, yeah, it's it's fucking gruesome. So then they bust into the house, and they find all matter of cuckoo. There's garbage <laughs> everywhere. Trash. There is furniture, knickknacks, Soup bowls made out of human body parts, bones, skulls, skin. There's a belt made out of nipples. (laughs) There's. 
I'm just laughing because it sounds funny, but it's not but funny. It's like, like <laughs> just it's nipple belt. Like great, yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely. I mean, it's it's really Wait, hard. So, how many people did he kill? So he didn't kill. He only killed two people. So he killed Bernice Warden, and then it there they find out after they've pulled him in, and they're they're questioning him that he also confesses to having killed a tavern owner three years earlier, 1954 named mary hogan and she had gone missing and it sort of just went cold um those are the only two people he killed but after his mother died he started robbing graves and taking body parts and skin and heads this was the big thing they found heads the skin thing is the one that like makes my skin hurt yeah can i ask do you know and you might not know but so when grave robbing, so like, how does that work? Like, do you take the skin? Does he take the skin there? Like at the cemetery? I'm assuming so. But I don't, I mean, I guess it depends. I think what he's probably doing is taking whatever part of the body he wants and then oh. and then using the skin once he gets home. And turning. I guess they don't have like, I was like, wouldn't there be blood? But I guess they wouldn't have blood. No, because you get drained before you get buried. yeah and the way that he was figuring all of this out and it was also all like women like middle-aged women that he was the the his mother Uh exactly his mother so what he would do was he would read the obituaries and then he would go to the grave sites after they had been like freshly buried so that it was easy to dig up and don't you think it's amazing that murderers are usually like goddamn idiots, but they're also like, <laughs> like very clever, very clever for an idiot. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's wild. So yeah, he would read the obits and then go and find freshly buried corpses. Uh, he also apparently did try or had wanted to perhaps uh, dig up his mom, but her uh, casket, like many in this area, are encased in concrete because the sand, the soil there is very sandy. So a lot of times oh. they'll put concrete around the caskets to keep them, keep them in place. And, but he would just go to these sites and hope for the best. And apparently, you know, not probably not everybody can afford that. Um, so he would mm. just dig up the ones that didn't have concrete around them. Um, so yeah, they found 12 human heads in his house. The, math never quite added up because he only admitted to ever killing two people and robbing nine graves so there's one mystery head Um, i'm willing to bet that he might be a liar probably like probably was (laughs) whatever that last one was yikes um there were certainly indications that ed was psychotic he uh, claimed to have hallucinations he said that the trees would talk to him things like that um really yeah so all of this happens the town is of course flooded with media and looky-loos and you know uh, just all people who who think that this is some kind of attraction Mm -hmm. and in 1958 the house that he lived in was being auctioned and the town was really afraid that it was going to become a tourist attraction. And so they, well, nobody really knows what happened, but it mysteriously burned to the ground. 
like three days before it was supposed to go up for auction and i don't either and i think they all just have each other's back (laughs) it would still be a museum oh yeah and well and people still drive by and like drive by the empty site because nobody's ever rebuilt anything on that land and they just go drive by i know it's just like it's weird and i feel like it's like like you're dark to be dark like oh i love like this right. murderer it's like well, really yeah like i mean i find that like I, I have an interest in that stuff but i get scared yeah like i, <laughs> I think they're scary and terrible i don't want to visit their homes no i you know, even with like movies when people are like super obsessed with like always obsessed with the murders yeah. I'm, like, I'm not i I'm, I'm not obsessed with them no I don't love Michael or Jason or any of those other motherfuckers, you know? I like critters. They're funny. I mean, that's fun. Well, if you think that's dark, in 1958, same year, uh, his car was auctioned and sold, was purchased for $700 by a carnival director uh, who put it up as a sideshow attraction and charged people 25 cents a pop to look at it and take a picture with it. You know, Bundy's is in a, his bug is like in a museum. There's like a crime Ugh. museum. I know. People are so fucked up. I just don't have any interest. No. Like, obviously, no. I have enough interest to research things, but I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go pay <laughs> money to look at Ted Bundy's fucking car. No. There's no I way. I think that that's where you draw the line. Yeah, that's not, it's not happening. It's absolutely not happening. No, fuck that guy. Yeah. Uh, Fuck you and your car. (laughs) Seriously. Um, So initially, Ed was deemed unfit for trial. He was committed to a mental institution for 11 years. And then he was, excuse me, was put on trial and convicted of first degree murder of Bernice Warden. I don't know if they ever actually convicted him of the murder of of Mary Hogan. Um, but so anyway, he, he was judged guilty, but also was judged insane. And so he was sent back to the institution. I don't know if he actually did any jail time or if he ended up just living the rest of his life institutionalized. Um, he died of lung cancer. Oh, and, oh yeah. Everybody smoked. Right. Everybody smoked. Um, and I, of course, didn't write down the year that he died, but he died of lung cancer. And he is now buried in an unmarked grave near the rest of his family in Plainfield. He had a headstone, but people kept coming again, fucking weirdos kept coming and taking pieces of it and selling it on the internet. internet. Yeah. I hate it. Fucking awful. So in the, uh, in the book, psycho, sorry, a squirrel (laughs) just went by in the shadow. I saw a shadow. (laughs) You got a fat ass squirrel in your backyard. God, that kind of scared me a little bit. (laughs) Um, uh, in in the book Psycho uh, apparently Norman Bates compares himself to Ed Gein um, and so it's a little bit more of a direct reference in the book whereas the movie is just sort of this you know it's a it's a little uh, nod to to his crimes and then you've got lots of other um, horror movie villains that are based on him Leatherface from Texas Chainsaw Massacre Buffalo Bill yeah. is probably the biggest one. Although Buffalo Bill was kidnapping and taking <laughs> live <laughs> skin. So there's a little different. And then Zachary Quinto's character in the second season of American Horror Story Asylum. So just. Whew. So I looked it up because you and I were talking about how we couldn't figure out if he was a serial killer. 
Yeah, because they only, they only killed, killed, killed two, two people. people. Right. That we know of. I'm willing that to bet know. money that there were more. Yeah, you're probably but right. It says that, according to Wikipedia, which I, I know I wrote, but at the same time, whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're talking about murderers. I don't care. Uh, so a serial killer is typically a person who murders three or more people in two or more separate events over a period of time uh, for primarily psychological reasons. But I, I mean, it just that extra skull, like, okay, he admitted to one. Right. I didn't know that he, that he was like hearing things. Yeah. I just thought he was like had some weird like edible complex and was like trying to bring back his mom. I mean, I think it's both and, you know. Yeah. Or he wasn't, and he said that to get the insanity, you know, plea or whatever. I don't know. Like, whenever I see pictures of him, he just looks so like he looks like he was probably really stupid. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, everybody. I mean, I watched this documentary about him, and um, they interviewed some people who knew him, like in the town. They're like, we just didn't really think much of him. He was quiet. He was kind of a weirdo, and <laughs> that was it. Was it? <laughs> you know? Do they interview him? Oh no, he's been long dead. So this was this came out. Oh. Uh, I didn't Fairly know if they recently. had like, they had like, f- uh, footage or something. Because you know how they like put all that stuff together, right? Uh, no, yeah, he had he had been dead, uh, and they didn't have any any kind of, uh, yeah, like footage or anything with him. Dude. So. Well, I'm glad there aren't inter- there there isn't footage. The worst one yeah. is like the Ed Kemper stuff. Like, he's still alive. I know. Dude's still like kicking. It. Yeah. Yeah. So just go. Why don't you lighten it up and uh tell us Mine doesn't about, make it uh, much lighter. I know, I know. <laughs> so basically, you know what's funny is that um I watched Hitchcock with Anthony Hopkins and um Helen Mirren mm-hmm. and who's Scarlett Johansson. So that one was about I don't want to cross them because there's Hitchcock and then there's the girl. Right. And the girl was, Tippi Hedren was right, the birds right okay so then the other one is about Psycho so the one with Anthony Hopkins Anthony Hopkins is amazing like I feel like I had trouble because you know how like when someone's in a lot of makeup like that you try to see their face you're like oh yeah I can tell it's you yeah like you you can barely tell interesting like I struggled with it I was like oh weird um so it's just all about how Hitchcock was like a total creep like predator yeah, yeah. Um, and in the Anthony Hopkins one, they, there's this scene, which I didn't realize what was happening. Cause I think it's like the opening scene where you've got like two dudes that are like digging. It's, it looks like it's like forties or fifties and they're like digging in their yard and there's like a big house behind them, you know, out in like the fields or something. And the one guy says to the other guy, he's like, Oh, you know, you know, like talking shit about their mom. Like, you know, she's being crazy or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the other one that he's talking to hits him over the head with a shovel oh. and then starts a fire. But then like Hitchcock is standing there. So like, it's like, you know, he's like taking directly from Ed Gein. Yeah. And like throughout the film, they like piece to that, which is like kind of disturbing, but it did make me see how much of it, like the like small things that were based on Ed Gein, you know? Yeah, totally. That I would never have put together unless, like, I looked into it. But I can't research that stuff because it freaks me out. That's fair. (laughs) That's why I volunteered to do it. It makes me nervous. (laughs) Uh, So my mom, I used to watch Hitchcock Hour when I was little. I, like, loved Hitchcock Presents. Yeah. 
Um, and I remember her telling me that he was a fucking weirdo. I'm pretty sure those were her exact words. Probably. And she said that he was obsessed with the women and he would stalk them in his films. And I remember her telling me, and I couldn't find anything about this, but I remember my mom telling me that he sent the daughter of one of the women like this dead doll. It was like, now it would just be a hot topic, like goth doll. But at the time it was weird, you know? And so he sent the daughter this doll for her birthday. It was really unnerving. And that he used to send them dead flowers, which I think checks out because I think he used to, and I'll get into that, like send Hedron weird stuff. Ew, what a creep. And gross. He's just like a gross white man. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, thank you, sir. No. Um, so all of it, I think that his blonde thing really started with Grace Kelly. Mm. Um, and then when she became a princess, like, and they even referenced that in Hitchcock that, uh, you know, she just was busy. Like she was famous regardless of, of him. Yeah. Um, so his big obsession was with Tippi Hedren. Right. And in the climactic scene in, um, the attic in the birds which i just rewatched and is really unnerving like the whole movie is really unnerving yeah um so hitchcock had told her that the scene was going to be filmed with fake birds so they weren't going to be real real right um and she was super nervous she was a model prior to this so this was like her first this was her acting debut so hedron arrived at the studio to find several cages full of birds alive birds uh they were chained to her body and hurled at her by crew members over the course of a couple hours um a day for five days oh my god they pecked at her face uh she was covered in like scars and you can see it in in the movie i was like oh this is that's real oh um so hitchcock did nothing to protect her because he was having like this she He's she turned him down fucking jerking off in his director's chair yeah which is like a thing he liked seeing like these women like afraid like you know it's like that veiled he'd like all of the stars of his films were women but it was always about like making them small you know like right. torturing them yeah um he stood there and watched and he did not care uh, she was so traumatized by this that her doctor signed off that she had to have five days of rest. Like she couldn't, she couldn't go back. Uh, Hitchcock fell in love in quotations, uh, with Hedron. Um, when she turned him down, he quickly, it quickly turned to spite, which I think was a the theme. Um, he became the worst type of stalker. He had her handwriting analyzed and ordered assistants to follow her home and make sure she wasn't seeing other men. What the fuck? Yeah, I don't. I don't know about the handwriting. I mean, but because he's it's weird. Because he's, he's a weird. psycho. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, he inserted himself into her life in ways that she was just like not was not okay. He'd leave her food um, that he wanted her to eat outside her door. Sent her a peculiar Valentine's message. So like he'd send her like really like dark weird things um and it was always inviting her to lunch dinner drinks when alone he'd tell her dirty jokes dirty stories which i feel like is also like a it's almost like a sexual verbal assault you know yeah it's like not appropriate and you're doing it to like 
it's like a controlled power thing. It's really weird. Yeah. Because they did that in both of the shows and and the sh- the both of the movies rather, and it is like unnerving. Mm-hmm. Um, the so he t- would tell the same things to like Grace Grace Kelly and Ingrid Bergman, um, but she Hedron wasn't into it. Um, worst of all, she says that one afternoon Hitchcock threw himself on top of her and tried to kiss her in a limo outside of their hotel. She, uh, she said, and it, this is a direct quote. It was an awful, awful moment. I'll always wish I could erase from my memory. It's so sad. Ugh, poor Tippy. Yeah. Um, in their next and final collaboration, Marnie, the role of the role Hedron was, uh, was playing was originally intended for Kelly, but Kelly had gotten married. Grace Kelly had gotten married. Uh, he insisted on subjecting her character to a brutal rape scene that he actually seemed to like relish in. Hedron refused to work for the actor after that, and her contract, she was contracted to him for seven years, and that was the end of her career. Because he also, out of spite, made it so that no one else would hire her. Like, they, right. they couldn't. Right. He, like, totally had her blackballed. Yeah. Things came to a head when uh, Hitchcock forbade, this is prior to that, but he forbade Hedron from traveling to New York to receive a uh, an award from Johnny Carson. Uh, she was furious, and she definitely interpreted it as like a controlling and possessive thing, which is accurate. Yeah. Um, in the aftermath of this, an ugly encounter occurred between the two that abruptly ended their professional and personal relationship. Hitchcock spoke very rarely about what went on, and when he did, his comments were elliptical and evasive. The most he revealed was that Hedron had crossed a line and referred to my weight. Fuck. I... I mean, I just think he uses a profile and he looks like a letter B. Like, (laughs) you know that you are a plump little disgusting man and you lived up to that. Choices were made. Oh, my God. What a what a fragile, fragile little man. Ugh. Uh, So in 2016, Hedren published her story in her own words. Uh, She said, I've never gone into detail about this and I never will. She writes uh, in what occurred in Hitchcock's office. She said, I'll simply say that he suddenly grabbed me and put his hands on me. It was sexual. It was perverse and it was ugly. And I couldn't have been more shocked and repulsed. Gross. And I feel so sorry for her. Yeah. Um, So not all of his starlets were blonde. There were a few brunettes, um, Joan Fontaine, Ingrid Bergman. His Mm. obsession obsession or fetishism seemed to start with Grace Kelly. Joan Fontaine found that um, the making of Rebecca to be a tough experience with Hitchcock having isolated her from the rest of the cast to enhance her performance. So there was definitely like this like dominating, um, like torture. He's like torturing these women. Yeah. She said that uh, he wanted total control over me and seemed to relish the cast not liking one another, actor for actor, by the end of the film. He just liked chaos. He was like a, yeah. a sadistic piece I of mean, shit. I mean, this is like, th- I feel like this shit is, is the story of Hollywood, right? Like, this has always been happening. It's still happening. You still yeah. have just these gross guys, you know, who think that they're God 
and your Harvey Weinstein's and, and your, you know, when, when you do have somebody who, uh, who spurns your advances and is like, no, and then you tell them no. And then you make sure that she never works again. And it's just like, or even like the, the guy, like, People like David Fincher, right, who is a great director, makes some great films, but is notoriously overly meticulous and will make people do take after take after take after take after take of these really, really brutal scenes. Oh. Like, you remember, did you see Gone Girl? No. There's a scene in Gone Girl where Rosamund Pike, if you haven't seen it, too bad, uh, where Rosamund Pike... (laughs) um, kills neil patrick harris she slits his throat and it's like a sex scene that turns into a murder scene and it's really it's really gruesome um and it was highly choreographed obviously as 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 things should be they had to film it so many times and i i heard an interview with her where she was talking about how the set basically and it all is on a bed right and so the set just kept rotating. So they had like a wall that was flying in and out and they would just have a new bed that came in and the two of them would get shot, would get hosed down because they're covered in blood. They would get hosed down. They have to reset and do it again over and over and over and over and over. That's and not it's just okay. like, you had the take, you had the take. You don't need to make them do that that many times. Isn't that a big, that's just movie? you. Uh, he is in it. Yes. Not worth that. <laughs> fucking ben affleck movie (laughs) yeah and then and and even just like you know the things like you you know you saying that he was um uh isolating uh who was it uh all of them yeah yeah, fontaine was talking about it um yeah people who do that or who directors who keep keep their cast and crew around working long hours all day and and you know so that they're on edge and cranky and it's or like, you know, bad condition. I don't know. It's just like, I don't, for the sake like of torture. film, it's just stupid. It's stupid. Yeah. It's like, this is all, this is all supposed to be pretend. It's all supposed to be pretend. I just think it's like cis hat white man. It is. And it's a power trip thing. Yeah. I just hate them. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes it difficult to enjoy. I mean, I, I do enjoy this I enjoy Psycho. I enjoy a lot of Hitchcock movies, but it's hard. I found out that he was a major asshole, uh, you know, in my adulthood. <laughs> but, right. Um, um, and it definitely colors everything in a different way, you know, as opposed to when I watched the movies when I was younger, before I knew anything about him. And I was like, oh, these are great. This is like, you know, these are amazing cinema yeah. uh, touchstones. And right. Now it just colors everything, you know, and it's that weird thing of like, can you separate the art from the artist? And should we separate the art from the artist? Because sometimes I don't think we should. I think we should just be like, nah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to watch that. It's not enjoyable for me to watch something, but it's difficult because I did watch this movie and I know that he's an asshole and I still think it's a good movie. I agree with you. I think it's also hard for me. It's hard f- if I know that like, like knowing in that, scene in the attic that she was so uncomfortable it's hard for me to watch her like i i can't help but feel like oh girl don't do it like just walk away now you know i know it's really it makes it really hard i actually think the reason i do love this movie so much why i love psycho so much is 
is because of Anthony Perkins' performance in this movie. Oh, yeah. I really think he's the reason that I like it so much. He's so good. That scene mm-hmm. after the shower scene is oh, yeah. incredible. It's so long, and it's just him, and there's no dialogue, and it's just him cleaning up, and it's so good. It's funny that you loved that because it gave me anxiety because I just kept thinking, that is not clean. <laughs> like that, you barely mopped. You put a mop in a bucket with blood. There's blood everywhere still. It's everywhere. <laughs> you did a terrible job. Yeah. <sighs> but you're right. It is, and it is unnerving because mm-hmm. it's so long. Yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, that last shot of him, right, where he looks does the head tilt and looks up at the camera and they superimpose the corpse face underneath him. And yeah, it's, it's good. It's a great performance. I I looked up, uh, I didn't even look it up. You know how you watch something and then your TV's like, here's what else you should watch. Mm, Yeah. Um, and it showed me the, Oh God, what's his name? Vince Vaughn one. I forgot that that even happened. It was him. And, um, didn't Anne Heche, play yeah. the um the Janet Lee role. Yeah. Yeah. That was like 97 or something, right? They remade He it. plays a good like It's funny cuz he's such like a a character, like a specific character now. Yeah. But he was like really good in it. He's also like so skinny and so young. I was yeah. like, "Whoa, you look crazy." I've always thought he was a pretty good actor. I think he gets underrated. Because, I just think he's a douchebag, and that comes yeah, through. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe he is. I don't really know anything about him as a person, but yeah, because he's great in that. He's so good in Men in Black, like that. That he plays I've the seen Men in Black. He's the he's like the big dumb farmer guy who the alien takes over his body. That's Vincent D'Onofrio. Oh, you're right. He, that guy looks like Vince Vaughn, though, because I used to do that all the time where I was like, they look like brothers. I was thinking that Vincent D'Onofrio was in Psycho. It was Vince Vaughn. Oh, uh, see, they look alike. It's like they all have I the same even, face. Yeah, maybe they do. I, yeah. And then John Favreau looks like confused. he could be related to them. Yeah. And they're all best friends. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. So it was Vince Vaughn. I don't know that I ever saw the remake. I just remember, I remember like tr- seeing trailers for it. But I, I saw it. I it was saw it. it was not very good, but yeah. he was good. I remember him being, because he has that to him where he can like be scary. I just watched that movie Freaky. I think is the name of it that he oh, was in. Oh yeah, that was like Freaky Friday, but he's like a serial killer. It was actually really cute. Was like it? I, I mean, it's like gory, but it's yeah. like kind of like a, like slapsticky gore, you know? Like in a, like in oh, a okay. in a B horror film kind of way. Yeah, there is one scene where he like kills somebody by putting a um wine bottle down their throat and then it shatters and i was not into that i don't like so that. i don't like that one bit you know when to look away and just do that that's what mm. i do okay yeah okay <laughs> so yeah um i also th- i think that you're right i think that the as far as like you know like with um what's that asshole's name woody allen Ugh. yeah yeah i watched that thing the special that was on showtime or something Mm-hmm. Do you remember? And ever since then, like, I used to love Annie Hall because I love Diane Keaton. Mm-hmm. But now I'm just like, I can't. I yep. can't do it. Yeah. I know. I can't either. I Roman Polanski is another one. Ugh, I know. There's so many of them. Mm-hmm. Stop. That we know of. Right. Stop hiring these men. <laughs> right. Just stop it. They can't be in charge of things. They're not allowed anymore. 
They claim allowed. they're genius. They can't the genius it. makes it okay. It certainly does not. And I don't, frankly, don't think you're a genius if those are the things you have to resort to. <laughs> Me either. I it's think you're of, just a fucking weirdo. Yeah, it's sort of the way I feel about method acting. I'm like, that. you shouldn't have to do that. Uh, yeah, you shouldn't I feel have like to do that. Pe- you know what I was thinking about? Did you watch that show, Val? No. The documentary that Val Kilmer did? Oh, no. Very sweet, very sad. But he definitely had a little bit of that to him. And I just feel like it's really... Like, all of the famous people are the obnoxious drama people that we were in high school with. You know, like, they're all, because they're all over the top. It's all like, oh, my God, me. You know, like, and I just would, I feel like I would hate them all. And you realize that (laughs) in his, because all of it's, like, his home videos. And I was just like, man, I would be, I'd be like, put the fucking camera down, bro. Like, we're busy. Like, it's annoying. Yeah. But, yeah, the method acting is, like, I don't Yeah. I I have so much more respect for, uh, and I, I do, it's interesting, like, I understand that when you're making a, a movie, it's a little bit different than if you're doing a play, right? If you're making a movie or a TV show, you're often not shooting in order. Um, y- you know, you're having, you're, you're only doing these like short bits and bursts at a time. So I do understand a certain level of like wanting to maintain a mindset, you know, yeah. uh, so that you don't lose it between takes. Um, I totally understand that. But what I think is crazy is when these people like, completely live their lives like that character for the whole time that they're making the movie. And I think that that means you're not a very good actor. If you have to do, if you have to go to that extreme, that I don't sense. think you're doing a very, I don't think, <laughs> I think you're not able to then rely on the skills that you have as an actor. You're having to go too far. Right. You can't stop because you can't get it back. Right. And I have so much respect for a person like, um, why am I blanking on his name? Dexter, the guy that plays Dexter. Uh, Oh, now I'm blanking. Michael Michael... C. Hall. Was that his name? He, I once read an interview with him when he was doing Dexter and he was talking about how the way that he would get out of that character every day was at the Mm -hmm. end of every single day that they would shoot. His only like, you know, he's like my only diva request was that no one be in my trailer that like, because normally you'd have somebody there to like take your wardrobe, help you get your makeup off, do all that. And he was like, I would just go and I had to do all of that myself to just like physically put him away at the end of every day. Yep. He's like, so I would take my own makeup off and I'd watch myself in the mirror, take the makeup off and I'd put my clothes away and put my clothes back on. He was like, and that was how I was able to be like, and I'm done with this for the day and I'll come back tomorrow and I'll put my costume back on and I'll feel, you know, all the things, but I have so much respect, more respect for that. You know, it's like, I know how to put this away. I know how to balance my life. I'm not, you know, actually putting my body into like the carcass of a dead animal or, you know, throwing rats at my co-stars on set. Like, you know, it's just like, it's a lot. Yeah. Uh, Andy Kaufman, what's his face? Jim Carrey. Mm. It's always people that are kind of weird too, because the other one is uh, Phoenix. What's his? Joaquin. Oh, Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix. Yeah. yeah, he does that with like all of them. I heard a really funny story about Joaquin Phoenix um, that he uh, he. I guess he's sober, or he that's he he. They all are. He claims to be sober, but he says that he drinks on planes. <laughs> Which I'm like, then you're not, you're not sober. That's, <laughs> but, that's not how that works. 
he's also i think vegan or says that he's vegan oh he's like super vegan and i <laughs> heard this story this podcast i listened to and one of the hosts was like i swear to god she's like i'm not lying at all i saw him in the airport and i had read she's like i had actually just read in a magazine that he like drinks when he flies and she saw him in the first class lounge of like british airways or something like that uh-huh. and he had a full big old glass of wine and a meat and cheese plate <laughs> She was like, so I guess he's not vegan when he flies either. So in the air, he doesn't. But he was no in rules. the air. He was he was in the airport. Oh, what a strange. I mean, that checks out for him. It doesn't. It it really does. I'm not surprised. But I digress. I also wish that I could live by silly rules like that. Like only in the mall <laughs> am I allowed to do these only certain the- things. <laughs> you know this like confined area oh that's good what would you only be able to do in the mall only in the mall do i eat blimpies there you go oh my god is that still a thing remember the mall in waldorf it probably only exists in malls so you probably <laughs> only can get a blimpies <laughs> only in the mall can i eat two cinnamon buns in a roll <laughs> Okay. Oh boy. Um, what do What do you give this movie? Oh, I give it five screams for Tippi Hedren and the actors, the people that were in it. Yeah, Janet Lee, not Tippi Hedren. Oh Tippi. yeah, sorry. I, I had Tippi Hedren on my skit on my. But my we all we also give screen. Tippi five stars always. Always, we love you. Yeah, I I also give it five stars. I think yeah for the performances. I think uh, Janet Lee's great. I think Anthony Perkins is fantastic. Yeah, and uh, I feel like boycotting it now is like we don't well, need to do a disservice to them. Yeah, and a, a big no, thank you to Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, you can suck a log, bro. <laughs> suck a log. <laughs> You're welcome. That's one of my favorite sayings. I won't tell everyone what it is because it's a lot, but um, <laughs> but it works and it's rude and it's gross. I don't need I don't need an explanation. I just think it's funny. <laughs> uh, that's good. All right, next week we're doing. La Yarona, or as I like to say, La Yarona. <laughs> I was like, you are that is like not Spanish. <laughs> La Yorona. La Yorona. La I love her. I, love I just her. started watching that movie this morning as we record this, and I really like it so far, but I'm going to finish it. I like it. It's part of the Conjuring franchise, so it definitely has that tone. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that next time. Watch it if you haven't, and um, we'll, we'll, we'll see you then. Yep, I feel like we need like a tagline goodbye. Nah, just like going, bye. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening. You can find us on Instagram at the devil made me review it or send us an email at the devil made me review it at gmail.com. Bye.